Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Last month, I attended the International Franchise Expo in New York, and during the trip, I was exposed to over 450 growing franchise concepts. My final guest this morning is Robert Sidham, the CEO of Franchise Dynamics, and Robert is going to give us an insight into the growing franchising sector this morning. Robert, you are the CEO of Franchise Dynamics, a franchise sales outsourcing firm in Chicago. But when did your love affair with franchising begin? Well, strangely enough, franchising is my second career. Uh, My first career was in technology consulting, and one of my clients was a very large international franchise company that uh, rather unexpectedly offered me a job, which I um, promptly turned down, largely because I knew nothing about their business or franchising, but they convinced me to join them. And uh, over my eight years there, we grew their franchise company from 300 units to about 1,700 units. And frankly, um, it was an exciting and thrilling and interesting place to be. I've always said that um, when you do this work correctly, um, it's unique in that uh, while there's a commercial aspect to it, you really do change people's lives. Now, prospective business owners can often be faced with the conundrum about whether owning an independent small business or investing in an established franchise concept being the best option for them. What advice would you have for any of our listeners that are currently evaluating board options? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that for someone who's considering either an independent business or going into a franchise business, there are probably three or four things they really need to do. The first is honestly assess their own strengths and skills. Um, Being an independent entrepreneur is really different than being a franchisee. I think the second is how much risk tolerance they have. Remember, in a franchise, you're typically getting the benefits of a brand in the marketplace. You're getting a business system, methodology. You may be getting technology. You may be getting product. But all of those things you have to create for yourself as an independent business. That means that certainly in most cases you're going to require more capital to be independent, but there's a lot more risk in the decision-making. I think the third is most of the time entrepreneurs are pretty happy being in business for themselves and by themselves, whereas franchisees really generally enjoy being a part of the community. And of course, if you take the very long view, um, generally, typically franchise businesses will resell um, for a much higher multiple than an independent business, in part because the buyer believes that the brand has equity, but that uh, most importantly, the systems for business success Uh, are in place, the location works, the product works in the local market. You have developed a reputation for increasing franchise sales and profits, and we'll be discussing your process for achieving this. But right now, what sectors are hot within the franchising sector? You know, it's a great question. Um, I would tell you that in the food space, um, anything that is associated with high-heat conveyor belt uh, pizza has become extremely hot. Uh, we represent a client out of California that in the last 30 months has uh, developed 250 new units, uh, not only in the U.S., but in Canada, Mexico, and in China as well. We have uh, other transactions internationally in development. It's become a very uh, hot 
concept within that uh, space in large part because millennials in particular, they want things that are customized for them. Um, but in most of these concepts, the guest can um, customize the product. It's a very quick preparation time. It's a very affordable price point. So the perception of value is very, very high. Other things that we see that are getting a lot of traction in the non-food space, uh, children's education, children's learning. Uh, I think around the world there's a recognition that, that education is often capital constrained. In other words, uh, schools struggle to have the uh, revenue to be able to offer a, a wide array of, uh, of classwork. Uh, we talk a lot about STEM education, um, science, technology, math, and what we see is parents doing uh, that investment that they're making in their children is one that will pay a lifetime of dividends for those children. So let's look at the process for increasing franchise sales. Where should the franchiser begin when looking to grow their franchise units? Well, one of the things that we talk about with clients and prospective clients often is that the, the company should be letting the franchisee success drive all of its decision-making. In other words, if the franchisor is acting in a manner to make its franchisees happy, its uh, responsive, its training is relevant, its field support is meaningful, its business coaching is meaningful, you're going to end up with happy and successful and productive franchisees. Once you've been able to do that within the architecture of your existing franchise system, the real goal then becomes to try and build personas for who you're looking for. In other words, the prospective franchisee you should be seeking should be looking a lot like the franchisee who is successful in your system today. Then it becomes a matter of effective marketing and messaging to try and tell the story of your business and of your brand, but most importantly of your franchisees and their success to attract people like them. Uh, The other really important consideration as a franchisor is do I grow through single units. Uh, I I don't like the term mom and pop, but we hear it around the world. Uh, It's really the individual entrepreneur serving uh, their city, town, village, um, community. Or are we interested in trying to find someone who is a multi-unit owner? Well, often we're finding an investor who is going to buy the business and is going to run the business, uh, but they're not going to work in the business in the context of being across the counter uh, working with a customer or client or guest uh, in, their, in their retail business. And what advice do you give to franchisors when deciding whether they're looking for an investor type franchisee or whether they're looking for a mom and pop type operation? You know, there are two considerations. One, it goes to the type of, of business. So um, as an example, I recently had the opportunity to deal with a tea room concept that's very much a local business, and typically it's going to be in what we would consider the suburban, ex-urban uh, type of community. It's not something that's going to go into the city center of a large city. Um, in that kind of a business, we know that the franchisee has got to build a relationship with their customers to keep them coming back into that environment. That business model may not lend itself so well to a um, multi-unit uh, ownership environment. Conversely, if I'm going to look to um, 
develop uh, a children's educational concept, I can easily, because it's a service business, I'm not doing food, I'm not doing retail, there's no product, I'm delivering a service, that business might lend itself better to somebody who says, you know, I'd really like to go into uh, Waterford, Cork, Wexford, go into the local marketplace, and I want to own that community for this concept. But from your experience, what channels deliver the best return on investment? You know, particularly for a young franchisor that may have limited resource budget and and human capital, what we strongly recommend is that they really consider putting their their financial and operational resources into a dedicated franchise landing page with a unique URL that can be searched, uh, doing search engine optimization and pay-per-click advertising, and then it's really all about social media and PR. There's a place for trade shows, of course, you have the uh, Irish uh, franchise show coming up in the fall, uh, which is a great place for someone early in their exploration to go and walk through the show and get ideas and talk to franchisors. And you can, of course, see a lot of them in a day, and it's a wonderful event. But at the end of the day, most candidates for a franchise really start their search by going on to the Internet. And that's where you need to have that really great, viable presence. What we know is this. Typically, about 30% of candidates will look at up to 10 concepts. Another 30% will look at up to 20. Another 30% will look up to 30. And that another 10% will look at 40 or more concepts. And that all happens on the Internet today. And of course, there's a major opportunity for any franchise business that holds a bricks and mortar store because they have an opportunity there to be able to advertise the fact that it is a franchise business. It never ceases to amaze me how few franchises actually use that particular opportunity. I think you're absolutely right. And the story I often like to tell is a story of Subway. And of course, Subway today, by number of units, globally is the largest franchise company in the world. For many decades, if you went into Subway and you got a sandwich, and by the way, I'm not commenting on the sandwich, <laughs> but I want to point out that the napkin, if you looked at the napkin, it would say, for franchise information, contact, and it would have a phone number in the old days. And today, of course, it has the global website. If you have a viable franchise business and you have customers and those customers like what you do for them. They're a wonderful source of potential new franchise candidates. You should have a sign up in your your restaurant or your retail store that cites that you are a franchisee of the XYZ system. Uh, it should be on a napkin. It should be on the side of your delivery bag. It should be on your delivery vans or on whatever delivery vehicle you use. I was in Seoul, South Korea last year on business, and uh, they do their delivery on uh, a Vespa type of scooter and on the side of the, the, the uh, uh, platform in which the, the food is held, there was a little sign that said franchise is available. So there are lots of ways to do marketing within the four walls of your own stores that may only incrementally give you one or two new franchisees a year, but often those are people you would not have gotten if uh, they weren't aware that you were a franchisor and actively looking for high-quality franchisees. By the way, a quick benefit there is they already have some understanding and familiarity with the brand and with the business, and in many cases, they uh, may actually know the franchisee locally, which is really helpful in attracting a high-caliber individual to your system. Now, typically, what percentage of leads will actually convert to franchisees from your experience? 
Um, so it's actually a small conversion percentage. Typically, um, franchisors out of 100 leads will get somewhere between one and two candidates to move forward and become franchisees. And that's presuming that you have a well-developed, well-thought-out offering and you have good validation. For a startup franchisor um, that has less than typically 10 uh, stores open, they'll see that that percentage fall, and they'll end up with somewhere between one-half and one percent of their inquiries turning into a uh, franchisee. But keep in mind today, because of digital marketing and the internet, you typically get a lot more leads than what we've seen historically, and you are therefore having to deal with a lot more people to find the ones that you really want. And of course, then that leads us on nicely to prospecting in terms of identifying those that are really, really relevant to the brand and to the concept versus those that aren't. But before that, I just want to ask you a quick question about trade shows. I recently attended the International Franchise Expo in New York, which is, of course, the largest franchising trade show in the world. But what does a franchiser need to do to ensure that they can maximize the benefits which such events can deliver? Yeah, it's a great question, and this is this is uh, advice that I would give you um, whether you're doing a uh, a local show, a regional, a national show, or an international show like like the IFA. Um, three things that we find really are helpful. The first is before you leave for the show, make sure that if you have anybody, any candidates in your in your database at all, that you make sure that they all are aware that you're going to be there. Uh, one, it heightens your credibility. It gives you certainly, uh, in their mind, uh, a real credibility uh, in terms of your commitment to franchising. But it's a wonderful opportunity to offer to meet with candidates face-to-face. And this is something that a lot of times franchisors miss. The second is make sure whomever is going to be at the show with you and is working the show with you, that you all have a consistent 30-second message to share where you can explain your business to someone very, very simply. Um, Most of the time in the show environment, uh, and as you saw in New York, hundreds and hundreds of concepts present. If you can't explain your business simply to someone in 30 or 60 seconds, um, they're going to move on to what's next. Um, There are just too many opportunities for them to be looking at. The third is when you come out of the show, make sure that you absolutely are reaching out to everyone who stopped by your booth uh, to figure out with them what your next action steps are. So once you can generate leads for the franchise, prospecting is the next stage. Mm -hmm. And I understand that you would adopt an ABC approach to qualifying your candidate pool. Perhaps you will talk us through each of the categories in this approach. We qualify everyone as an A candidate, a B candidate, or a C candidate. A candidates are individuals that are focused on being in their own business. They typically put their job search aside. They have about a three-month horizon to make a decision. They are well-capitalized. They have a supportive spouse. Uh, They are people who we absolutely want to be giving lots of time and attention to. Unfortunately, they're typically only about 5% of the candidates that a franchisor will work with. About 85%. Uh, 80 to 85% are what we call C candidates. These are wonderfully warm, nice people, genuinely enjoyable to talk to. However, when we spend some time in talking to them, we often find out that they are people that do not have any urgency. They uh, are often employed. They may not have the financial means to invest in a business. 
Um, it's a hope, it's a wish, it's a dream. And the goal is to get them out of the process as early as possible in a very respectful way. In our business, we keep them in our database. We drip campaign market to them over time because things do change. Um, but at the end of the day, the development person really can't do anything with them in the short term. The real key to our business is managing the bees. And most of our salespeople will tell you that they don't like bees. And I don't mean they don't like them as people, but they generally are really thieves that come through the door looking like A's. Very impressive resumes, background. Uh, they talk a lot about what they want to do and they talk with intention. But as we begin to deal with them, what we find out is they may have uh, monetary issue, they may have a less than supportive spouse, they may have an employment contract that's going to preclude them from doing anything quickly. So the real trick in our business is to focus on the A's, um, move the C's out of our processes as quickly as possible, qualify the B's. And Robert, I know that you're a huge advocate for timelines within the franchise sales process, a sentiment which is backed by statistics which indicate the salespeople who follow up with web leads within five minutes were nine times more likely to convert them into a franchisee. Yeah, you know, it's often a case, Carl, where the franchisee will buy uh, the franchise uh, franchise concept that they like best first. And um, so if you think about how easy it is today using the Internet to make an inquiry on a lot of different concepts, um, you really need to stand out to get that franchisee's attention. And so timeliness is incredibly important. In our world, we use very sophisticated technology. As an example, if someone makes an inquiry to a concept, uh, that lead will actually show up on the uh, smartphone of our salespeople in real time. And by the time they see it, it will have already been auto-responded to through our software. So there's some, some real importance in um, reaching out to people. And the, the interesting thing is that so many prospective franchisees are first-time business owners. They are individuals who are working in the corporate world or another business. And really the very best time often to speak to them is early in the morning, in the evening, Saturday mornings, and Sunday nights. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, good or bad, we need to try and be available when that franchisee or prospective franchisee is available. And I'll leave you with this thought. Often in the mind of a prospective franchisee, the way they're dealt with in this process, which is a buying process, um, is very indicative of how they're going to be treated as a uh, franchisee if they join that system. So when they see a high-quality, prompt, immediate, comprehensive response, in most cases, both mentally and emotionally, they go, wow, this franchise system is really going to do a great job of supporting me. Now, you mentioned that there's 11 stages to your franchise sales process, but on average, what duration does it take to complete that? Well, because in the United States we have extensive holding periods, and you have some in your markets as well, um, what will happen is that for a services or retail concept, we would look for a 12 to to, to 16 weeks selling process. Restaurants, it's going to look more like 16 to 20 weeks. But keep in mind with a restaurant, because location and real estate is so critical, uh, particularly where you have freehold and leasehold and, and, and a lot of complexity to your real estate, it typically takes a longer period of time to conclude that that transaction. What will happen is over time, those um, timelines will contract, but they're never shorter than 12 to 16 weeks. And Robert, final question for you this morning. Your advice for a franchisor that's looking to expand internationally. 
Would your advice be to them that if they were to focus on international expansion, that they would need to put boots underground? You know, it's interesting. So a big part of our business is working with franchisors from abroad that want to come into not only the U.S., but other markets. I think it is absolutely critical for that franchisor to have a local market partner that understands the uh, the realities of franchising, which is a fairly regulated business around the world. Some markets more than others, but increasingly becoming more regulated. But more importantly, understands the business environment, the customs, the culture, understands intuitively what kind of a concept is going to resonate uh, with the uh, local marketplace, can assist with the regulatory questions that may present themselves, can work with manuals, materials, can really help the franchise or tailor the concept for that local market. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.